Welcome back, everyone. It's a pleasure to have you come in with us today. My name is Kay Curtis, your tour guide on learning from friends. I have a wonderful guest with me today, one of my really close friends, Joseph Mize. This has been something that we've talked about several times. He turned me on to multiple podcasts over the years. And today, when I sit down with him, we're going to talk about his beekeeping and also how he runs a bread route. This is something that's very interesting and something different that I definitely never knew about until it started with Joe coming in here. So, Joe, how are you doing today? Hey, Cade. I'm doing great. Uh, Thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. And it's exciting to start on this journey with you. I'm Am I number two? You're number two. Okay. Chris was number one. You got to be number two. Hey, I'm always glad to be a solid backup man and, you know, a good wingman. I think we've been through that most of our lives. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily call it a wingman. It's just kind of just, you know, continuing going down the line. Okay, here. okay. That's, that's more what I say. <laughs> I so got you. That's going to go out, Joseph, Joe. You know, that's kind yeah. of, as we've always kind of gone, sometimes we call him Joe, sometimes we call him Joseph. Um, it, it, if it's serious, I get the full name, but everybody really knows me. As friends, they call me Joe, so. Yeah, true statement for, for sure on that one. But if, you know, we call you your full name, you know you're in trouble. Absolutely. Like, you know you're heavily in Absolutely. trouble here. So, Joe. Right. Describe us here. To the listeners, okay. hello everybody, that who you are as a brother, describe yourself. Who are you? Man, let's see. Joseph and or Joe Mize. Um, I'm the same person either way. Um, there's really no difference between one or the other. Um, I would say the people who know me closest call me Joseph, that being a family, but me down to the bare bones is a i love jesus and really uh help serve at my church and youth and work a lot with the youth ministry there and then i do on the side i've got several hobbies i've do one that's not normally common to people, you know, like quilting or something like that, that people do. I do beekeeping and I got turned on to that several years ago and, you know, love going outdoors, gardening, fishing and playing with my niece and nephew. That's just a everyday fun thing to do as much as I can. And then also, uh, work-wise, I've had a few jobs in my day, but currently, uh, as Cade mentioned before, I have a bread route, so we'll dive more into that, I, I figure, here in a few minutes. But And at the end, um, I know we're learning from friends, but in case you haven't heard or learned, I love sports. And can we just say this? Thank you, Braves. We finally did it. I mean, Cade, we were six years old. True statements. Six years old when this happened last. And I can remember first grade, Buffington Elementary, Miss Feltham's class. And it was the largest classroom in the school. 
And so we had all of the first and second grade classes put into my classroom. We were a really tiny school. And the television was wheeled in on the cart. And then the cable screwed in up at the top of the wall. And we've got like 50 kids trying to watch an 18-inch TV of the parade. And we got to miss like half of a day of school just sitting in class watching a parade and we're like this is the coolest thing ever but we didn't really half understand what was going on but hey we knew it was cool because it was a parade and we knew that the Braves won and last night I finally got to feel what my six-year-old self only could comprehend in fullness and it was amazing it was amazing that the curse of Atlanta sports is finally put in the grave. Let, let me rewind you back on. Well, that. okay, I know Atlanta United started. They they okay. Sorry, Atlanta United started the curse. Like they dug started the curse. So started the breaking of the curse. <laughs> Thank you. And they like dug the hole to put the curse in the grave, and then the Braves like put him in the grave and like put the dirt over him and we're it's done. I'm going to say before that we have a, the Atlanta Swarm, which is our lacrosse team have won before that. So I'm just saying here, we do right. have some professional sports teams, but right. our, our big name ones, yes, we, right. we hadn't really been able to put it in. I think we're in a turnaround for Atlanta sports teams in general. I hope, man. We'll, we'll see really how hope. things are going with the Falcons. It's a little, little struggle man. right now. Joe and I could talk sports. Yeah, for th- a, this could be a learning from sports friends here and this could really that this could turn that we're, we're not going to go off the rails this early in the podcast so we're, we're gonna we'll reel it back in <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i love you joe i love you joe this this is awesome i love that we are only six minutes in here and we're already just kind of getting off a little side <laughs> tangent i love it um that that's how we do like i'm sorry to all the listeners we you're going to learn that Kate and I have 50 conversations within a matter of minutes, and it all circles back around to what we were going to talk about originally, which is Cade. Eventually gets there. No, no, we're not yeah. talking about me today. Okay. This, this is about you, Joe. This is not me. So go ahead. This is We're still on the relationship phase here. Right, right, right. Go ahead and give me your first memory of kind of how we met or that first kind of going back for when do you remember us first meeting? Okay, so I would say for us, sixth grade year, my school, my elementary school, Buffington Elementary, got combined in with two other schools in fifth and sixth grade. And so sixth grade, we were both at Macedonia with Chris and garrison and edward and some some of our core group was really formed in that sixth grade year but Cade and i we were on different teams and so we knew each other through you know pe or recess and stuff like that but we were really never really close at macedonia but i would definitely say seventh grade is where we started kind of getting to know each other through band and eighth grade, um, we really started getting a lot closer together. And as the cliques of middle school started forming, we started kind of fitting in one with another because it's like, oh, well, we remember each other from Macedonia and 
So now we're just going to kind of hang out with each other in middle school. And so, you know, as far as a specific day, I really don't know. It's just one of those things where it just kind of happened, you know. Um, high school, we just started getting to be good friends. We started having a couple classes together. And then, you know, after school, I would say band camp really started freshman year. And then during uh, football season, after school, we would go out and play football after school before the main high school football game, which we had to march in that night. And so there would be like 30 people out there playing tackle football out in front of the high school. And, you know, there might have been a couple injuries here or there. But the thing that the listeners need to know about Cade is that Cade during this time had really long hair and Cade was skinnier than a beanpole. And so he would be running and it would be like just this flowing locks of hair running in the wind, chasing someone down. Hey, I still got those long. You do, you do. And they're, they're back and they're better than ever. And it didn't matter how large the person was as far as like physical stature. Cade did not care. He was going to tackle you and he would be like a monkey that would just jump on your back and swing around your neck and drag you down to the ground. And there were several instances where the person was just too big and Kay didn't have the momentum and he would just hang on their back like a small child as they ran into the end zone. But when Kay got you down, you knew it. And it was amazing, and everybody would always go crazy. So I would definitely say the football field is where some of our uh, memories were formed. Um, and then, you know, when we started driving, you had the blue truck. and Miss that thing right now. It's a needs about $10,000 worth of work to it. I accept funds to be able to help raise for it, to so be able to we'll, get it back into place. We're going to get a GoFundMe going for uh, Cade's truck repairs. And so Cade would park, and you would have Garrison with you. And y'all would park down in the visitor lot, and I had a parking pass to the uh, red lot up behind the school, so I would swing. I'm, I'm cheap, so uh, that was one thing. I just didn't want to pay for that extra pass, and Joe had the money, so I just kind of mooched off of it. No, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but you know, uh, hey, the first year I spent walking up the hill with you guys, and then the next year I got the parking pass, so I would pick the guys up, and we would ride up to the top of the school. Um, can I give you a story about, you know, there was that one day where there was like nine people needing a ride and I had this small Toyota Tacoma and I had a toolbox in the back of my truck. So there's literally nine people trying to ride in my truck. We made it work. We had, this is a small Toyota Tacoma, not like the extended cab. Yeah. This isn't the 2021 massive Tundra here. This is, you know, an O three Tacoma here. And so we had three people sitting in the front seat with one person laying on across the other three people in the bed of the truck. We had the other five people and one of them had to fit in my toolbox garrison. And we had book bags and band instruments all in there. And we drove back to the back of red lot 
and Garrison popped out of the toolbox and scared everybody that was standing around that morning, but it was a great laugh. And, you know, those memories, you just, uh, you can't make those up and they are with you forever and they're amazing. And, you know, that was some of the great times of high school and our teenage years. And thankfully, you know, we never got caught by the cops and never got a ticket for any of that stuff. So, Well, the key thing here, we're going to pull this back up. There was not, we were not on main roads here. We were in a, right, in right. a park that was behind the school that drove up to it. So right. the only cop we would have had to deal with was the uh, motorcycle cop. cop. Uh, well, motorcycle cop and a school cop, yeah. really, in that sense for it. It was, we were, we were pretty solid. We were, I'm going to do uh, quotations here of safe yes <laughs> with that as much as possible yes, but we as teenagers we we all learn in here i'm going to drop some wonderful knowledge here on joe as an individual here like this man has saved me several times from myself i will admit that i have some anxiety and depression and stuff that i go through we're going to have an episode talking about mental health in the future but Joe is always that person that I know I could call at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning and just talk. We used to have this thing where we called it the, the tailgate conversations. Yes, we would literally yes. sit on the back of either of our tailgates. Most of the time it was Joe's and just talk. Sometimes it would be for 15 minutes. Sometimes it would be for hours on end. And I mean, Joe is a rock for me on sitting and listening and allowing me to just kind of vent and cut loose. And I will say that Joe is really, along with another individual, Brody, which I'm going to be interviewing in a couple of week, weeks, that really brought me back to God, brought me, ba brought me back to Jesus in that way to be able to find myself again in, in religion. Um, we did, what was it, two years straight or three years straight? It, it was about three years. It, I mean, we were going good and all the way up until the pandemic hit, you know, we would meet on Wednesday mornings, uh, either at Starbucks or the local gas station or the gas station sold breakfast, not yes. just like a random gas station sitting in the parking lot, but it, it, it was a, one of the good gas stations that sells good, good gas station breakfast food. And it was amazing. Yeah, uh, for, for sure. On, on with that, and I'm not a Starbucks person. I'm going to go ahead and say that out first. <laughs> I, I, my wife works at Starbucks, love her to death on that. But, uh, I, I just, I'm not a fan, but it was funny. Like, they would always be ordering coffee or something. I'd be coming in with a mug that just had coffee from my place that from the house or tea or just water. <laughs> and it was just, that was just always interesting whenever they were saying, Oh, we're going to meet at Starbucks. And I'm like, really? Okay, <laughs> sure. But I didn't want to go at first. I really didn't. And Joe's always been one to kind of like, kind of push me with my faith and was like, Hey, just try it. Give, give it a shot. Give it a whirl. Um, and I did. And it really, he encouraged me to start reading the Bible for the entire year of like, go from the beginning to the end, like start reading every day and try to do it in one year. And so I took that challenge. I did it. I went through and that was really eye opening to me. I wouldn't say I'm the most religious of individuals in that sense to it, but it definitely has gotten me back into more finding my faith and finding about who I am as an individual. And so Joe, I want to say thank you for that, um, for sure. Uh, when it comes to that, he is definitely a man. You could have been like a counselor. <laughs> you, you could have been you. You could have been a counselor when it comes to that, uh, for for sure. Uh, I can't even I can't even count the times 
it's endless of how many times that you have saved me for myself for for sure and that's what that's what your friendship means to me yeah. right? that's a hundred percent what your friendship yeah. means to me we could go into stories for hours about yeah. funny the, little the, stuff this podcast uh episode like might have a time limit but we could literally be here till the cows come home so yeah it is it we'll is. give you some nuts and bolts today <laughs> how, yeah how, how about we go with that and you mentioned earlier about kind of the hobbies and stuff and some right, sports. Right. There is one that you did not mention to that is like our bread and butter here that even Chris has kind of been on this one. Right. Professional wrestling. Yes. That yes. That is one of those things that you are either a fanatic fan or you are not at all. Like it's, it's, You get it or you don't. Yeah. There's no in-between. There, there's definitely no in-between on that. I, I'm going to go with Joe. Who is your favorite professional wrestler? From the past and then current day. Man, ooh. Let's see, past. I grew up in the, back in the, for those who would know about it, in the heart of the Monday Night Wars and the Wrestling Wars. And I was a WCW guy, and I remember watching it Saturday mornings especially. I got my cartoons and I got my Saturday morning wrestling in. And so I loved watching me some Sting as a kid. You know, him just coming out and letting it roll in the black and white with a baseball bat. I'm like, this guy. He the means crow, The crow version of Sting. Yeah, the crow version of Sting. And I mean, you know, before, St- you know, the... Hooping and hollering, wild man, crazy guy Sting. I love him too. But the Crow version of Sting, I was like, this guy, he he's all business. And I loved it. And I I just, the whole WCW era, I loved. And I mean, Goldberg, when the cops are escorting him to the ring and then the guy walks through a shower of sparks, how could you not love somebody like that? And he just comes out and just beats people. Yeah, as a kid, that's like, mesmerizing oh, yeah. for sure 176 and 0 before he got tased you yeah know? 177 yeah i'm gonna call it like yeah 50 yeah <laughs> but again semantics here yeah. you know like whatever <laughs> um and then so yeah as uh as the years have gone by i would say that Kate and i have really had a bond over that we've gone to several shows together um I don't think Joe's not allowed currently at Buffington Gym because of he's made so many people angry. I'm just kidding about this. Oh no, Joe is the heel of any Th- show. This that you was go into. in Rome, Georgia, is where I'm really not allowed. Um, there was one night that I was cheering for the bad guy, and no one else was cheering for the bad guy. And there was this lady in front of me who had had a couple of adult beverages. And, uh, she proceeded, she was cheering for the good guy and she proceeded to give me the middle finger as I cheered for the bad guy. And, uh, I took that as a badge of honor that night cause it was, uh, quite hilarious to get a good reaction. But, um, today, ma'am, I would say, you know, right now, all Elite Wrestling is kind of... AEW. AEW. That's kind of the vein of 
good wrestling nowadays. And even though I've watched WWE for years, it's not what it used to be. Um, man, really right now, I really enjoy me, uh, some John Silver. Ooh, John Silver, man. That's a good one. I I know, I know, I'm not a, a lot of people don't know about him. He's kind of the mid card kind of guy, but he, he's been in the business for years and this guy is about as tall as I am, which isn't very tall, but he's got some arms on him. I mean, he's just like all jacked up. And that's his naturally, 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 naturally. I mean, he, and he just like, that's his big thing is his guns, i.e. arms. Dude, his humor though. And and that, and that's the thing is like, his humor is awesome. And he, he's technically sound and great in his craft, but his natural improv humor is what really makes his character great. I agree. I'm going to say I'm a, my my past definitely goes with Sting, hundred percent. Right, right. But as time's gone on and we've gone into current day, I mean, having Darby Allen and Sting oh, together, yeah. kind of working on it, really it's nice. uh, that, I mean that's like bread and butter right there. That's it my is. past and present. Yeah. I am a huge Darby Allen fan. Yeah. Uh, we could talk wrestling also for days when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and transfer us to the next bit of our conversation yeah, here. Wrong. You mentioned earlier one of your hobbies that's very unique to you that not many people really kind of do mm-hmm. is your beekeeping yes like that is just very fascinating to me how did you find beekeeping honeybees by the way honeybees yes. sorry there, there's a lot of uh flying insects around so that people classify as bees and there's different types of bees um but yeah beekeeping so several years ago when i was at my house and I had just purchased my house and I was getting my garden going. And the first year I really noticed that I wasn't getting a really good crop and I had done everything by the book and built raised beds and put good dirt and, you know, everything I've always known about gardening I did. And, but I always, I noticed that all the plants were flowering and blooming, but there wasn't a great amount of pollination going on. And so I got to noticing, I'm like, man, there's no bees around here. And so my cousin who lives not far from me, um, actually got some honeybees for that purpose of pollination. And that year he had a terrific yield on his garden and mine suffered and i was like hey i need to get into this and i said at first i said hey you can put a hive over at my house and you know use it for pollination that's great and he's like well why don't you just do it yourself and get into it and i'm glad he kind of challenged me in that because it really opened a whole door to a world that i didn't know anything about you know the amount of bees that I knew about and honey was pretty much Winnie the Pooh, (laughs) you know, growing up that was okay. There's Pooh barrier, there's honey in the tree, there's bees. Let's reach in, get it and let's go. And that was the, about the extent. But as I started, I went out with him into uh, his bee yard and to his hives 
and he showed me some stuff and was kind of giving me some of the basics and I really just fell in love instantly with it. And it was it was a hobby, yes, and it was very multifaceted at the same time. It was yes, I'm bettering the environment around me, you know, helping out my garden and my flowers and all that and the neighbors uh crops as well so a it's helping everybody out and then b for me it was really a therapy and very relaxing even though there's times of the year where it is not and it's very stressful and it can run you ragged at times but it was i enjoyed doing it and it was just kind of I could take that portion of the day as kind of a decompression as the end of my day. I could go out, check on my bees and I didn't have to get into my hive every day, but I could just sit out there and watch them. And that was what's fascinating because they can go up to three miles, but they always find their way back to the queen. Which is fascinating. Three miles. Three is miles. that like a circled radius, or yeah. just like oh wow? Like you, That's like impressive. you, you put a draw, you put a uh, pin mark, and you draw it out three miles in one way. Wow. Yeah. That's that's pretty intense. Yeah. Now those little wings are moving. <laughs> what does it cost? Like what's what's like what did you have to purchase? What what does one do in order to start being a beekeeper? Yeah, man. So it it's definitely not the cheapest thing to uh, get into i would say you know if you want to really start on it and start on it right you know get get probably 500 bucks and that's for your equipment to buy a hive to buy you know your veil your jacket um you got to have your tools and you got to get bees as well so Unless you can get a swarm naturally out in the wild, you know, you're probably going to have to buy the bees from a supplier or, you know, if you know someone who is selling a hive that way as well. So there's a couple different ways of purchasing them, but you normally start out spring of the year when everything starts blooming. That's when they start rocking and rolling and uh, you try to get on them first thing and get a good jump on them so like do you have to go somewhere to pick these bees up or do they send them to you how how does that work of acquiring bees that are not natural right so i mean natural mean like natural like out in the woods yeah yeah um so they do it both ways um thankfully i live close enough there's people in the area that have bees and i have been able to you know go over to their house and purchase hives that way and there's a supplier excuse me up in north georgia that i go to and i've purchased bees from there and it's about an hour away so it's not too far of a drive and i can do that quicker than i can waiting on ups or the mail to send them to me so and the better chance of them being alive when I get home. So there, there's multiple ways. You know, you can get them as, in the mail as well if you need I'm to. I'm not going to lie. My brain is thinking right now 
that <clears throat> live bees inside a box like buzzing like i'm guessing that's not the way it happens i i would figure that they probably put them at the doorstep and and leave but you know i'm I haven't had that experience yet, so I'm not proficient in that. My guess is they possibly, I don't know, correct me on this, but right. they maybe like freeze them to go to sleep and they wake up, like hibernation kind of deal. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not totally sure on that, but you know, that that's somebody else you can ask. Maybe somebody in the comment section, like leave us some information of how that kind of works. Right. It's not something that I'm familiar with, and it seems I like mean, Joe's you, not 100 percent with us. You did help me out uh, a couple years ago getting a swarm out here at your neighbor's mailbox. That is true. I forgot about that entirely. That was a very interesting experience. I never like collected a hive <laughs> before, and Joe's like, "Oh, come on down. Like, I'm going to spray some smoke on it, or and I'm also going to like put some pheromone here on the box, and they're going to fly into it. And I mean, these guys are swarming, flying everywhere. Cade's like. Standing off to the side, kind of freaking out, which, you know, is natural because it's pure pandemonium because these bees have swarmed on a bush under the mailbox and I just slid my hive up under it and shook the limb down and they fell down in there and then the queen flew out. And they were starting to fly out, and it was it was kind of a pandemonium mess there for a few minutes. But we got them uh, captured back in and wrangled up. But Kate did a great job of standing yeah, there and filming. Sure. I'm oh yeah, filming. That's you about filmed. it. <laughs> hey, I got a great video out of it, so it, it worked. And how do you recognize the queen? Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like there's hundreds of bees here. How do you know what right. the queen is? So. It's not like a queen, like the Queen of England, where she's got a crown sitting on a throne or anything like that. She's constantly moving in the hive. She's she is the mama rule of the roost hot of the hive, and so she um, is constantly walking around, laying eggs, and you know making sure everybody is doing good and the hive. They work for the sake of the queen, and they will literally die for the queen. So she's constantly trying to build. Her job is to go in there and lay eggs and make babies and build build the population up. That is her job. And the queen, she is about a size and a half bigger than a regular normal honeybee and she's a lot longer and you some queens uh, are darker in color some are a little bit uh, more golden in color it, it just really depends i've had uh queens that are uh, more black in color and brown and then i've had some that are really a golden yellow but hey they all do the same um there's different type of bees i have italian honeybees is what Italian, I, like the Ferrari of like bumblebees here. Yes. Yes. And so that, that's what I normally specify in. And that's what you hear a lot of people having is the Italian type. Now, how often can you harvest honey? So mainly there's what's called the nectar flows. And right here, in Georgia, in North Georgia, there's two main times of year. It's the spring and in the fall. 
So when all the flowers are blooming in the spring and we have constant pollen, as we all know about in North Georgia, I mean, you walk out. High pollen counts, man. High pollen counts. Everybody hates it, but the bees love it. It's like the best time of the year for them because it's just free resources. And so they're packing the pollen in and they're getting honey like crazy. And it's mostly uh, clover, natural wildflower honey. And that goes through May, early part of June. And then everything kind of dries up. But if um, you're up in north North Georgia, like Blue Ridge and Blairsville up in there, you get kind of uh, mid-July with the sourwood trees starting to bloom. And you get sourwood honey more in the summertime and then in the fall when the goldenrod and the ragweed and everybody starts sneezing again they're like why are my allergies crazy because it's the ragweed and the goldenrod is cranking back up again and that's kind of your second uh nectar flow of the year so there's two main times of the year that you can get honey um most of the honey that you're going to get around here is from your spring harvest and that's the wildflower honey because we try to use the later harvest the fall harvest for the bees supply to get them through the winter and for them to survive the cold when there's no natural uh, food resource out there for them how much honey did you harvest this past year i know i have two bottles that i purchased this year from me but how much in terms of like gallons or quarts or something like that, did you right, wind up getting? Right. So this year, um, this has been my fifth year doing it. And I started off with one hive and it didn't make it through the winter. And then I'm like, well, we got to keep growing. So I got to two and two turned into four and four turned into seven. And it, it can be a problem, you know, things kind of get out of hand and it, it's an entity that keeps growing. But this year, I ended up getting um, over 100 pounds of honey. 100 pounds? Yes. I weigh 135 pounds. Right. So, like, that's amazing to think that yeah. that is literally, my, like, over, like, two-thirds of my weight. Right. And so, you know, and, and that was with the spring flow was good, but the weather we had a really late frost and it bit back a lot of the uh, flowers coming up with the, uh, uh, the late frost really bit back the flowers. And so the flow was a little bit weaker, but it was still really strong. So, you know, it, it was a good harvest overall. I made a little bit of money back, you know, trying to get some to cover some cost of supplies, but I don't do it to make a profit out of it. I just do it for the love of the game, as they say. That's the best part about with uh, with Joe's business is he's not in it for the money. He's doing it as like a hobby. It's a joy and passion for him. It's not like he's trying to become a conglomerate on uh, the bee market over here. Wasn't there a guy down the street from you that had like 30 or 40 boxes set up in his front yard? Yeah, he uh, he moved in and he rented a house and there was like, he had like 50 hives and it, it kind of messed the whole neighborhood up and, but he moved on 
um, back in the spring, so it, it helped my bees out, definitely. How I many could, people are now in the area that are doing it? I have, in my local area, I've got probably five or six people within that I know of that I'm friends with or related to <laughs> that do it. And, you know, we kind of have our own little niche, but there's, uh, they actually have clubs within the county that a group of people meet up with and they have a beekeeping club. I'm not a part of that. I'm not that. that. Joe's rogue. He's on yeah. his own independent. Yeah. So, you know, springtime, if you see a swarm of bees, please don't kill them. Call an apiarist and they will come out and get them for free because free bees are the best. And uh, they're just trying to find a new home. So save the bees. Now, well, that's transition here. Yeah, now, sure, sure. I, I This is the part that has me extremely fascinated as well, that I, I was super excited <clears throat> when you agreed to come on the podcast here today is you have a unique job that I didn't know existed until literally you started saying, hey, I'm going to buy a bread route. I'm like, wait, <laughs> you're going to start like a bakery or something? Yeah. You're going to start delivering bread? Like, what, what does this mean here? What is a bread route? So, yeah, it started, that was <laughs> when I told uh, you guys at the Bible study that morning, you guys are like, what in the world are y'all talking about? And started grilling me, and I was like, you know, this is kind of what I know about it, but here it is. So, uh, the bread route itself, you wonder in the morning what you, you wake up in the morning and you see your newspaper for those of you that can still remember what a newspaper is laying out in the, in your driveway and you always I want to give a shout out here quick to the uh, Cherokee Tribune and the Cherokee Ledger. Thank you for keeping that going. Yes. Uh, I, I enjoy physically holding a paper and reading it. So yes. thank there, you, Cherokee there, there's Tribune. There's nothing like that because it, this is the Braves winning the World Series is the one time a year that or one time in 20 years that people actually go out and buy a newspaper. So anyways, back on topic. Um, <laughs> I told you, we squirrel a lot. It is a true statement. So bread route. Um the the back to my analogy you wonder why how the paper got there in the morning and it's because of the paper boy well when you go to the grocery store and you see the bread on the shelf you're like how in the world did the bread get on the shelf i'm the guy who puts it on the shelf now do you put like all the bread or what 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 bread do you specifically run for because there's hundreds of breads on that right, shelf right right so i have um certain uh I work for a certain company and they have certain brands and I do like Sara Lee breads and Thomas bagels and muffins. And I have different brands that I work for and, but I own a territory is what I basically have. So I'm going to use an analogy for our wrestling fans here. Right. You own a territory. Yes. What does that mean of owning a territory for a bread route? Does that mean you own like, a county does that mean you order like you have certain stores what what is that right so basically it, it's essentially you're buying like you're buying a home you you gotta fork out some money you gotta put a down payment on it and you gotta take out a business loan and start your own business up and so i had to do all of that and the territory is a specified area you know you can 
take a county map and draw a little circle around it. And they say, you own this amount of area and whatever stores are in your territory, you can service them. Um, grocery stores and I don't do gas stations, but I have uh, five grocery stores in my territory that I work for and supply and I work. Uh, I deliver five days a week and then there's the other two days a week. Um, I'm supposed to go in there and straighten the shelves up and uh, make sure that they're looking crisp every day for a day of sales. I want to say thank you, Joe, for allowing me to work for you on Sundays and go yeah. and straighten up the bread. Like it's, you know, a little bit of extra money for, for me. To, this was super cool to, uh, to get to kind of bring that into the world of letting people know. I'm curious here. You don't have to say a number or anything. Are we looking at like five figures, six figures, seven figures to like buy a bread route here? It, it really depends um, on the size of the route. You know, if it, is a smaller route you're in the six figures you know most of the time sometimes it's you know it can be 40 50,000 it just really depends um on the size of it and how many stores you have so you know it's literally like you're buying a house and you've got that loan and you know you have to get up and go to work or else you're not making money and the bank's calling you, you know? What happens if you get sick? Like who, who subs for the bread man? Yeah. So, you know, there's definitely pluses and minuses to everything where most people have their paid time off or can have a fill in or man, it's Monday and I don't feel like going to work. The, you know, everybody else can pick up the slack for me and I'm just going to call out yeah, that I don't have that luxury. It is a one man band, and if you're out sick, you got two options: suck it up and go back out there, or you know, try and call somebody uh, last minute, and get it worked out. But you know, you've got to pay them because they ain't working for free. So it's it's all on your dime. If you ain't out there working, you're paying somebody to work. Bread's got to get out there. It's kind of like the mailman. Rain, sleet, snow, shine, it doesn't matter. Which, hey, I know Georgians don't like snow, but bring it on, man. I'm going to make some money in that snowstorm. <laughs> yeah, that's a true statement. Joe, Joe always laughs about that. Fun fact, I think this was hilarious. When COVID first hit and things were starting to close around the counties and schools were calling out, I found out from Joe literally three hours before the county called school he called he sent me a text he goes hey man school shut down and i thought he was joking i thought he was legitimately joking here and no like three hours later i'm checking my phone and my sister calls me and goes hey school's out for the next couple days covid deal and i go i'm sitting there laughing when i found out three hours ago from literally the bread man who delivers bread to schools actually in the district he has it assigned a couple of schools that he delivers yeah, to because it's I in have, his zone. Right, right. I have uh, that's contracted through the company that I have to deliver to. And so, yeah, we kind of got a little bit of insider information there on that. And I was letting people know what was going on. And, you know, during that time as well, 
I was the toilet paper man, the paper towel man. Um, he gets into the stores before they're open. Man, like so he it, has the inside. It, I, if you want to know about some Black Friday deals, I could probably hook you guys up with some of that. And but don't come calling me. We no. we don't promote uh, backdoor deals here on. Yeah, we, uh, the everything comes through uh, the front of the register, and you you must pay for the items. So fair play. <laughs> How do you know what to order for the stores? Right. So basically. They have what is called the sales ad. You know, people walk in the store, they look for their buy one, get one freeze or their 10 for 10s or two for fives, whatever the deals of the week are. And my company is set up, gets in uh, communication with the grocery stores, say Kroger, for instance, and will communicate a sell for the weekly ad because the stores change their ads weekly most of the time. And so they will say, Hey, uh, for this upcoming week, we would like to run, uh, honey wheat bread, buy one, get one free. And so they will do that. And then they'll look up a history of how many loaves of bread I sold the last time it was on sale and kind of go off of the base of the averages and so I have a computer system that sets up and you basically try to order what the computer system says. This is what you sold last time. Now you can add or subtract depending on the circumstances, the time of the month, the time of the year, whether school's in session or not influences business as well. And weather influences business heavily as well. So, hey, if they're calling for snow, you better you better increase it a lot because <laughs> people are going to be panicking. Now, when do you put your orders like a week in advance, right. a month in advance? Right. How far in advance so can you normally order? Uh, you can, our orders span from about uh, five to 10 days out, um, depending on the items. Some items have to have a longer uh, notice of when they are ordered just because of production and they're shipped from different parts of the country. And then some items are five days out and you can add or subtract from that um, up to a few days out. And then if you're running heavy on some items, you can talk to some other people at our uh, bread depot who own other routes and try to give some away. Or if you're running low, you can get some from somebody else. You know, it's kind of a barter and trade system when it comes to that, just trying to help each other out. So... Now, how do you organize your bread going out these stores? Right. Like, I, I know personally I am terrible at this, and <laughs> I hate going to the warehouse with Joe. Tell us me about that warehouse experience Man, and it, what goes on there. Experience is the correct word because if you've never seen it, it, it is like an episode of How It's Made. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that or not. You're okay. Okay, There's, okay. It's not an issue. Okay, good. Um, but it, it, it's kind of behind the scenes of how it all gets started. Um, the bread gets delivered on 18 wheelers to our bread depot, our location where all of our routes are at. And people break down the loads. They get them into our uh, kind of bus lanes and everything that I ordered for that day for my entire route is in that lane. And then I come in and I 
have to separate all my products by what I ordered for each store. And so it's a process that normally takes a couple hours to do. But what Kate hasn't told you is what time I have to do it. Yeah, that's the next question I actually had was, I was going to ask you, what time do you start in the day and what time do you kind of end? But you, you kind of beat me to that. Right. Uh, day would probably be uh, a little, I, I start at night and end in the day. <laughs> True statements. Right. So it, it's normally not for the uh, people who like to sleep in late. This job's not for you. I'm sorry to say. Um, I get up about 1.30 in the a.m., not p.m., like if I was a teenager, I couldn't have done this back when I was a teenager. Not going to happen. But now, even as an adult, yeah, it, it can be tough getting up early in the morning, but you have to keep in the back of your mind, hey, you got bills to pay, so you need to get, get up and get, get on with it. So yeah, I start about one uh, thirty, two o'clock in the morning and get to the depot and spend normally about two on a busy day two and a half hours down there and then this is loading up the truck like yes. sorting everything out and getting it ready to go on the yes truck. And, and sorting it out getting it loaded up and you know everything i have to take care of at the depot so then after that i'm off to my stores and i have a route that i drive every day <laughs> and I have my same five stores five days a week that I deliver to. And normally on a very busy day, it's 12, sometimes 12.30 p.m. Uh, when I get done, if it's a, a really busy day. But then there's other days when I can make it where I don't order as much and it's a little bit lighter load and I'm done seven, seven thirty in the morning. So, you know, if you got something to do, you can make it where it, the route works for you as well. So there's flexibility in the ordering as well. So as long as your customers are happy, that's the main thing is keeping the customers happy, bread on the shelf to sell. Cause if you don't have either one of those, you're not making money. How do you make money? What, what, how are you paid as an individual? Because you're an LLC, correct? Yes. Yeah. Being LLC, you have to. You're providing your own insurance. You're having to maintain your own truck. You're having to do like you're your own boss. Yep, you're an I'm, entrepreneur. Like, how are you paid? Right. So you know, if there's customer complaints or anything, I am my own HR department, which can be nice at times. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So basically, the bread goes out on the shelf. And it, it comes through the back door of the grocery store and it is delivered into the store and checked in, put on the shelf. And then when it goes through that cash register and you buy that loaf of bread or those bagels or whatever product that you have, once it is scanned out through the register, it uh, subtracts off of my inventory system. And it says, hey, you sold this one and you get paid a uh, certain percentage off of that, depending on what the uh, company and the store have contracted. You know, you make X percent per grocery store on certain items. And so basically every week I get a uh, 
report saying this is how much product you put out this is how much you sold this is how much was stale bread and you had to return and then after that you know once everything is kind of checked and balanced out you pay your loans off you pay your truck insurance off then you get your check at the end of the day and depending on the week if it was a really busy week the check's really good and if it was a slow week that check's not that great. So, you know, you live and die by the customers, essentially. <laughs> hey, yeah, as an entrepreneur, you are just, every day you're hustling when it comes to that. Yeah. And I, I know that you say during the major holidays, like 4th of July, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you're making some good money right, when right. it comes to that. But if you're during like spring break for when schools are out and stuff, that you're, you're kind of suffering a little bit during that time right. period. Right, you know, those are slow weeks, but you end up making that money back when everybody comes back in town because everybody's got to come back and what are they going to buy? Oh, well, we're just going to have a sandwich. And so you're going to get a loaf of bread, you know, 4th of July selling hot dog and hamburger buns. They're going out like crazy. Thanksgiving's coming up. Hey, we're getting dinner rolls out. You know, every holiday has some sort of uh, specific thing. You know, Christmas is a big breakfast time. We're going to sell some bagels and muffins and sell some donuts and so the the holidays are good and bad you know when a lot of people are out enjoying it there's times where i'm out working and the reason the hot dog buns are on the shelf for you for the fourth of july i gotta be out there working to put them out there so you know there are definitely pluses and minuses to that job but you know i really enjoy it it um, it is different hours, but it's a good schedule that's set. And, you know, if you can deal with going to bed early at night, then you're all right. <laughs> and it's neat with thinking about these different vendors and stuff because Joe makes really good friends with the other vendors that are delivering. Because you got to think about like, you've got, um, what is it? A tortellini, not tortellini. You've got like a tacos that are being delivered out. You've got chip people. You've got little Debbie people. Like every there's each thing has a different route. That's kind of delivered by a vendor. Like these are legitimate jobs that are out there that people can look into and make some really good money off. And of there's it. plenty of jobs out there to be had for that. There we're in constant need of the only way the supply chain is going to get fixed is for people to come back out and, and work in the depots and work in the warehouses, deliver the trucks, because until that happens, the shelves are going to continue to be bare. And we are really struggling with that right now. Some weeks are better than others, but, you know, it it's a, uh, it is a problem that we, we're having to deal with. And it affects uh, me financially at the end of the day. True. And even if you don't want to spend the money in buying a route, they actually help finance yes. as well for you in certain percentages that they, you have to be able to do yourself to provide up front and then other percentages they will help you finance on. But you don't have to be owning a route. You can be working for another individual who owns the route. You can be subbing. Subs make pretty decent money because you're choosing what you're going to charge that individual, so say on Christmas, if you're needing to deliver somewhere and, and you want off, that person that's going to sub for you can say, you know what, I'm going to double my traditional cost or I'm going to quadruple it depending upon if someone's willing to pay it, mm -hmm. then that's the way it can kind of flow. But uh, for sure, 
in college, I'm not saying college is for everyone or not for everyone, but for sure, look into different opportunities that are out there in this world. Right. It doesn't have to be a four-year degree to be able to make really good money. No, and I, you know, as to kind of piggyback off of what Kate was saying is that I didn't go the traditional four-year college route. I was going to go with uh, the grocery business and work my way into management. And so I, I started taking some management classes at a local tech school. And, you know, I got several years of technical um, education and management and enough to where I knew what I was doing and it, it did help me out. So, Hey, college actually worked out for me. I'm one of the few people that is doing something related to their diploma and their field of study. But by doing that, it really helped kind of springboard me lay a foundation for later on. And, uh, it, I didn't have a whole lot of college, but I had enough to get me going. And it's really, that has paid off. That's for sure. And, this is whenever you go into this business, when you're taking that loan, you got to make sure you take this serious right. because if it's not something that's going to walk away, that loan travels with you. We're going to talk about credit cards at some point and how those are kind of dangerous uh, for individuals. I know and we're going to talk about people. loans and stuff as well because it's important that everyone kind of understands that a lot don't. Yeah, I know several people that have messed up and they have really wrecked themselves financially over you know, just bad business and, uh, it, they're paying for it, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's, as we're wounding down here, I'm just yeah, going to go ahead yeah. and reel this back. And I love right. this conversation we've had and Joe and I can be able to go on for days about this, but I don't like to keep our listeners for more than an hour, an hour and 10 minutes, just because I know that it's a lot of time to be able to spend to it. I want to know, Joe, what are some major influential people in your life? Right. So, Man, to really start off with, both of my parents um, are and were very influential. I, I was absolutely blessed to be in a home with both parents in a solid, stable house. And um, my brother and I were several years apart, but we're close. And he's, you know, always had my back with everything. And then, you know, my grandparents, my family, you know, we can definitely say my family. And then my friends, I've, it, it's been awesome having a core group of friends for, man, what have we been over 20 years? Probably. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 21 years or so now, something like that. And so I would challenge anybody out there who's listening. In life, especially young people, that you need good, solid people around you that have a good foundation and that somebody that is going to walk through the fires of life with you because you metaphorically or physically, this has happened to our lives walking through fire. <laughs> yes, yes, it has. And those are for a different podcast. Um, but but you can't do it alone. You, you have to have people with you. And even if you feel like you're out there alone, nobody cares about you and nobody loves you. There's somebody out there that does. And you got to have good friends and good family around you to 
bring you in and lift you up whenever uh, you're down. And Cade has done that for me. As he spoke about me doing it for him, he's done it just as much for me throughout the years. And we've bounced uh, life ideas and life conflicts. And that's why we go fishing (laughs) together. And, uh, you know, it's just time to really bond. And we have that brotherhood bond. And... I'm eternally grateful to have you in my life, my brother. Yeah, man. I, I love you too, Joe. Like, hands down. It's at any moment, any time, I know I could call on you as a brother. Like, yeah. it's not like, oh, this is my really good friend. No, no, this is my brother. Right. Like, right here that I'm, I'm talking to right now. And that's something, as you mentioned, having that close bond, having that close friendship is important. Like, and that's one thing that I know at any given time, that that's something that I can lean on. We are blessed to have a very good core group of friends the night crawlers. Hopefully yes. we can be able to get a group yeah. together and have a round table conversation at some point. Oh man, that uh, would be great. That would be interesting. We'll see how time <laughs> goes along. Uh, as we're getting ready to kind of like leave here, I want to know what is a last minute message or words of advice that you would love to leave with our listeners. You said some stuff about friends here. That was very cool right. and very amazing and something that I like to hark on all the time. But what's something else that you could give of words of wisdom? Yeah, man. Um, Absolutely. You know, you got to have just that tenacity and that want and will to get up every day and try the best that you can. And, you know, even on the days that you can't do it, you know, call somebody and tell them what you're going through. Don't keep it in. Um, A lot of people try to keep stuff pent up and held in and it just eats away at you. And so always reach out to someone else because they always, there's always an ear to listen. Yes. There's always an ear to listen. And man, that know that there's somebody out there that loves you. Always know at the end of the day, Jesus loves you and, you know, just love people because that's what we have to do to get back to seeing this crazy world ever turn back around is we got to put down our swords and just start opening our arms and start loving each other as human beings. True statements, man. That's beautiful. Like that is, I I can't even say anymore that that's just so much great information right there. This has been an amazing conversation and going from Chris and now to you, Joe, like this, this keeps getting better and better each podcast. And I must say that learning about the bees, learning about the bread, before learning with Chris about this book that he's working on, right, right. there is so much knowledge within your circle, within the people that you know. And if you don't start asking those questions, being curious about the people around you, you're never going to know. Right. So and just that, ask. And that's what's beautiful about our group. I know we're wrapping up here. What's beautiful about our group is that everybody comes from a different walk of life and everybody has a different perspective of life. But at the end of the day, we can all come together as people and just love on each other. It's true. And you, you can find that anywhere you go. If you are living in a different city or if you have been around the same people for your whole life, this is a statement I I love to say. I say this to my students. I teach uh, middle school is as you leave every day, Remember to let your curiosity fly high. Right. You are not going to be able to get an answer for a question you don't ask. 
you don't, you're not going to gain that knowledge if you don't give yourself a shot and putting yourself out there. That can be scary. It totally is. Yep. But that's how we learn and grow. And I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast too, to be able to share some of these little bits of knowledge and wisdom with you. And hopefully as we grow as an audience, that you can help me too. And my friends, as we share more with you, it can hopefully help you open that next door. Maybe answer some questions or encourage you to ask questions of maybe your family, your friends, meet somebody new. You never know what that person across from you is going through or what something that they can be able to share with you at any given point. And so I encourage you, this is my send off for today. Talk to somebody new, even if it's just saying hello, looking them in the eye and just saying, I see you. That goes a long way. So many times we just say, how are you doing today? Good. That's just a simple in passing. It's become robotic. Give them a, in words of encouragement, saying, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a wonderful day outside. The sky is blue. It's not raining or something like that. That makes me feel bad. How are you doing? Return the question to it. And if they say fine or good, that's okay. But you acknowledge them as a person. And that's huge. We all need that feeling. And so as we leave today, I thank you for coming and spending your time with me. If you like this podcast, hit subscribe, tell a friend, contact me at Cade, C-A-D-E, at learningfromfriends.com. I'd love to be able to respond back to you. If you're just looking for an ear or just have some comments to say, feel free. But most of all, learn from friends, learn from family, Learn from everybody around you because we all are in this together. So this is Cade Curtis from Learning from Friends. <laughs>